Put him in the aisle. Gets a shotgun snap. Final play of the game. Ron waiting for the wideouts to get downfield. Launches the throw down toward the goal line. Going up. Ball tipped in the air. Caught. Touchdown. Jordan Westerkamp. Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest. Oh, baby. Side back to throw is Martinez. Now being chased, throws it out. A flat Burkhead makes a catch. Sits a tackle. 25 20, 15 10, 5. Rex Burkhead. Touchdown, Nebraska. What is going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on Church of the Corn. We got myself also joined by our guy, Drake. Drake, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I am good, brother. Looking forward to uh, rocking out another good show with you. Man, we got so much to talk about this week or from this weekend. Um, I I, I got to ask you a question. I, I went and saw the movie Creed three today, and this isn't a question about that okay. movie. But my question is, okay. um, are you an asshole if you bring a baby to a movie theater? Um, yeah, if it's not a kids movie, absolutely. It, it was Creed three. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. I, I it's not like me and my wife went to see Frozen or anything like that, and we're like, yeah, there's a kid here. What the hell? No, we were in Creed, and uh, there was a silent part of the movie, and all of a sudden I hear a, a fucking baby in the, in the front of the movie theater crying. So I, I just I just wanted to make sure that we weren't the <laughs> assholes, but I, I was I was kind of shocked that someone brought a fucking baby to Creed three. Yeah, I mean, we we are also assholes, but that uh, that doesn't negate the fact that they are also assholes. I feel like there's just different levels of being an asshole, and if you bring a baby to a movie theater, you're like a probably a DefCon five asshole. Whereas I, on a daily basis, am about a DefCon two. No, no, you okay? First off, I am could I, be wrong, but I think I think worst DefCon is lower. Uh, that's actually, yeah, I really should have looked that up before I started talking shit about things I don't know anything about. Um, let's see. Well, I've got DEF CON pulled up here at least. Yeah. So let's see. It's an alert system for the years. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, no, you're right. DEF CON 1 is, is not good. Uh, yeah, DEF CON um, 5 is, no, you, is okay. You, you definitely on a daily level are still, you know, in the DEF CON 3 area. Yeah, just um, a bad day, you know, you bump to a two just to, you know, remind people of who you are as a person. Yeah, for sure. Well, okay, I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, just want to make sure that I wasn't the asshole, but it is what it is. Big win for Nebraska basketball today, beating the Iowa Hawkeyes and sweeping them on the season. Uh, not only sweeping them in basketball, but we also got the sweep in football. Iowa back to par- poverty program. Eat it. Nom 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 nom. Um, yeah, that, I mean, we could trash on Iowa all we want to. I mean, it's a damn good program. I, I want to go to to the to the side of Nebraska here because the, at, at early points of the season. What if you had to put a percentage on what percentage do you think wrote Hoiberg off early in the season? I, I have it pretty high, honestly. 
Oh, definitely. I I I wrote Hoiberg off. Um, and you know, kudos to Hoiberg and this staff and this team turning it around. Um, not only after you lose two starters, but just after the the four. This is your four. The four years of struggles. That being said, I, I'm still pretty vocal about this. I'm ready to move on from from the Hoiberg experiment. Now, the last three to four weeks has made me much more willing to let it continue for another year. I, I'll I'll go ahead and say it. I think as soon as Scott Frost didn't make it to October 1st, we were going to retain Fred unless he won less than 10 games. Uh, year four, your first winning season, um, with the expectations that – that you had after sending Tim Miles out on two pretty good seasons, uh, this has been nothing but a disappointment up to this point, right? Now, can you can you base an entire tenure off of the last month to month and a half of a basketball season? For me, it's hard to do that. It's really hard for me to do that when you come in with the accolades and you know the highest recruiting classes in program history. And you have a worse winning percentage than Barry Collier and Doc Sadler. Really hard for me to to be gung ho about next season. I think they have some good pieces, um, but I think there's a lot of coaches out there that can come get this thing going faster than Fred did. And I still feel like even if we have all these good pieces come back next year, I still feel like we're starting over because we we're not going to have Derek Walker, we're not going to have Sam Greasel, we're not going to have Juwan Gary, who we haven't had for most of the season. I just feel like it's going to be year four of year one, and I'm not looking forward to that. Well, yeah, that, and that's kind of the problem is you lose so much. Yeah, you, you had your first winning season. You, you you did show tremendous growth throughout the season, but it seemed like a lot of that growth was with, with you know the last month, the last six weeks or so. Like You had a lot of growth then, but every season before this, it's just been a giant letdown. I know injuries have been a problem, but – Every every team has injuries, you know, like we can't use as an excuse anymore. And we can't keep, you know, giving free years out. I mean, I, I feel like he's got to do something in the uh, Big Ten tournament to really, really justify and get people to feel really good about next season. Yeah, he's coming back next year no matter what. And, oh, yeah, I don't think he's you know, gone. I just – got to do something to give people some kind of excitement, you know? Yeah. And, and I know basketball is not your your number one number one love by any means or, or anything like that. I, I'm in a couple of group chats with a pretty big contingent of Nebraska basketball diehards, um, and they are excited. So good, good on Fred for that. Um, I'm still very much in – I'm a lot closer to where I was at the end of last football season with Scott Frost than I am. Let's run it back and give it another run. I I would argue that I was more excited for this upcoming football season with Scott Frost coming back, thinking that the changes were going to be better than I am looking ahead to next basketball season. Um, But I clearly I was wrong on both accounts. Um, So maybe I'll be wrong again. I mean, it would it would be really nice to be wrong. Um, I mean, yeah, Fred Hoy, Hoyberg is going to come back for another season. I, I do hope that with that, you know, that we – I don't know. I just want something to be excited about. I, I really want to see him make a, a decent run in the Big Ten tournament. Um, I, I've checked in on the team as the season went on, and 
you know, that they just have some tremendous pieces. I think it all came together. I just think it came together too late in the season for them. Yeah. Um, here's, here's where my biggest critique is. Um, in the Fred Hoiberg era as a whole, um, you, you haven't been competitive for the most part by any means. And then this year you lose two starters and I would, I would argue, and I think a lot of fans would, that the product on the court has gotten significantly better without those two starters, which in my eyes goes back to my problem I had with last season. And, and this guy isn't a part of the staff anymore, but I felt for a long time Matt Abdomasi was great at acquiring talent. He just didn't put pieces together. And this season, I, I wonder if Fred has I, – I, I just have questions about if Fred is always doing things best for the team outside of his, his three-foot world. And what I mean by that is sometimes as coaches, I, I was guilty of it when I coached, and coaches I worked under were guilty of it. Sometimes you come up with an opinion, and no matter what that player does – they can't prove you wrong until they're forced into a position. And without those injuries, I don't know if that happens this year. That's a good point. I mean, it, and that's one of the things about being a coach that I think is a hard habit to break because as a coach, you're still a human being, but could you argue that sometimes you do prematurely put the blinders on when you, when it comes to looking to add a guy? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think a perfect example is Casey Tominaga. Um, that's a guy that's played a lot of big, big games in his in his lifetime, not not just his career at Nebraska. And he didn't necessarily fit with the pieces that we had last year. So you got a bad taste in your mouth with him just coming in and gunning. But that's the type of guy he is. But he creates so much with his off the ball movement. But again, last year you didn't have all the pieces that fit that. So I think he kind of was down on the pecking order going into this season and those guys get hurt. He comes in and he provides a spark as a starter that, that you didn't, I mean, even after the injuries, he wasn't a starter and that's just one guy that we're talking about. Right. Um, Jamarcus Lawrence and Denim Dawson, Denim Dawson has been hurt lately, but I, I said it very early in the season, Jamarcus Lawrence and Denim Dawson might be two of the best players on this team. And Jamarcus Lawrence went off today. He was a huge part of that win today. He's been very important to this team down the stretch. And I just – I understand some of it. You have to get guys' experience and things like that. Um, I just – I have a lot of question marks about how they're putting these rosters together and how they're, you know, figuring out who who gets the minutes where. So you brought up a couple names of, of guys that were big today. I want to kind of go back to a couple guys that were – that are seniors – Derek Walker and then Greasel, like those dudes have really, I feel like aged the team or, you know, you brought that sense of maturity to the team. Mm -hmm. This team isn't above 500 without those two guys, are they? Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, Derek Walker is, and Sam Greasel have completely carried this, this team. Um, Derek Walker is, is the straw that stirs the drink. And Sam Greasel keeps those guys together. Um, 
you know, a guy that I'm excited about for next year is a guy that didn't play at all this year, but he, he was a high-end recruit, just redshirted this year. Um, actually, two guys. Corin McPherson, who was on the roster last year, but got hurt again this season um, in preseason, had to sit out. And Ramel Lloyd, who redshirted this year. I think both of those guys are going to be huge. If you get just a little, if you get 80% of what Corin McPherson could be, that team can be special. That team has some really good guard play um, coming back, potentially. Now, how many of those guys transfer? Basketball before the portal was a huge transfer sport because you only really have eight to nine guys that play and three to four of those guys don't play much. So how many of those guys come back? Does Casey Tominaga come back? Um, who do you bring in to replace a guy like Derek Walker? I like Blaze Kata, but he's not Derek Walker. Um, I, it's it's going to be interesting. And what Fred ultimately wants to do just – doesn't really fit the Big Ten style, and that's what gives me the most cause for concern. Are you talking like from a schematic point of view, where it's more of the yeah? I don't want to say run and gun, but kind of the run and gun. Yeah, I mean that's that's what he wants to do in his first year. You know, when they had Cam Mack running the point, um, his very first year. That's what that's what they tried to do. They they tried to get the most possessions out of a game. They didn't care if they won or lost. They were showing everybody what they wanted to play. He's changed a little bit this year, but is that enough? I, I don't know. I, I'm just – he's still trying to adjust to the Big Ten, and he's doing it at a slower rate than, than Scott Frost did. Um, I'm just – I don't – I just don't know what's going to happen. Now, we, we do have a three-star power forward coming in from IMG Academy and Eli Rice next year. Uh, I, I just don't know enough about what this roster is going to look like next year to feel confident. Yeah, and, and that's the only thing that's been consistent is the amount of changes that have happened to the roster over the last four years. You know, that, that's the only consistent is there's been a lot of change. So knowing what you're getting year to year has kind of been a problem. I've, I feel like the problem with the basketball program is the same problem that the football program has had in the lack of identity and kind of lack of uh, not organizational control. That's not, that that's not how I feel, but just a lack of organization at the top. Like, I just don't feel like anyone's been on the same page in either of those two sports. Um, I think basketball has been built differently than the football team. Um, And, and what I'm going to say it does give credence to what you're saying, but it's a totally different world. Like when Fred Hoiberg took the Chicago Bulls job, he was on record saying he didn't really like recruiting, right? Yep. And when he comes back to Nebraska, that was something that kind of worried me because Nebraska is not only a hard place to recruit, but a place that you absolutely have to recruit to. Um, so it brings in one of the best recruiters in the country, Matt Abdomasi, who, again, great at acquiring talent. I just – from what I saw, didn't feel like he knew how to put the pieces together and make it all fit. So you get rid of Abdomasi. Fred Fred gets a little bit more involved in the recruiting. I have a significantly better season, absolutely. Um, but much like football last year, how much is this better season related to that extra year of COVID for some of these guys? I, d- I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to build off of this season just because so many of the key pieces are going to be gone. 
So that's actually a great point because I was thinking about this when I was driving in the truck earlier, how much it, it was exactly what you said, how much of this is because of the COVID season where you are getting those guys who are more mature on the roster with you. I, it, It's impossible to say at this point, but it's just, you hope that you don't see such a steep drop off like you did in football. Not that there was much further to go toward the bottom, but just how everything went up and up and, you know, smoke the last year under frost and the transition to Mickey and all that mm-hmm. kind of good, good shit. But I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's kind of seems like Nebraska basketball is lost at this point, you know, as where are the parameters for it? Yeah. That's that's kind of where I feel is it's just hey if you get wins great that but I mean the expectations should not be super high with a program that's never traditionally had much success outside of a few runs. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, this moving. team this team has the resources and everything to be better than they are, and that's what's the most frustrating. I mean, couldn't we say that about everything though? Like. It's not just them. They've got the talent, but is it putting the guys in the right position to be successful, or does that talent match up together? Is kind of what you were saying. If the yeah, puzzle no, pieces absolutely. don't match it's up, like, then it doesn't look good. Like here's the difference for basketball and football to me, and and I could be a little off base, but like with football, you can actually look at bad decision after bad decision that has led to this spiral. With basketball, we've we've never really had the success, and there's no reason for us not to have the success. And that's the difference for me. Like, it's unfathomable how bad we've been at basketball when we have the facilities. You know, PBA is a great place to play. Devaney was an awesome arena, no matter how old and dumpy it was. It it always got loud. Like, and man, that basketball fan base is hungry. Uh, I would argue they're they're as hungry, if not hungrier, than the football fan base. I mean, the Nebraska basketball fan base is is uniquely special in how bad this program has been for so long. I mean, we're talking. I mean, decades. aren't they the only program that hasn't won an NCAA game in Division Only one, Power Five like program. Okay, that's only what I thought it was. Program. Like that's a and, fucking accomplishment. Yeah, and and we haven't, but we do have an NIT championship. Like. I just, I don't know. Like for me, it just doesn't make sense because we we've we've got all the pieces to put together a good team on the floor. We just haven't done it. And again, I I always felt like at the end, Tim Miles had finally steadied the program. He he had the program going in the right direction, and and Moose pulled the plug. And for me, a diehard Nebraska basketball fan. That was devastating, and I know I'm in the minority there. Um, I, I still feel like Tim Miles should be the head coach here. That being said, when we fired him, I was more than thrilled about Fred. I was looking forward to Fred. I had some questions, uh, but I thought I thought it would be a lot better than it has been. Well, and Miles, uh, he, he's at uh, Saint, uh, San Jose State, right? Yes, he's at San Jose State. And he's got them doing some pretty damn good things over there. So, I mean, he's he's been a – I mean, about as good of a hire for San Jose State as they could have made. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, you know, as much as I – Tim always – he never – 
he never capitalized on his success. After he built a program, he left and took on the next rebuild. And that's why he's a career 500 coach. And, well, I mean, and, and, and Rule has done that as well. Don't you feel like that there are certain guys that that's what they do and that's what their buildup is, is they're builders or they're rebuilders? And then yeah. there's some guys that are uh, – I, I, I don't even know what, what you'd call those guys, but guys that can just take over a program that's already built and – maintain at that point yeah you, you got builders you have maintainers i don't know what you want to call them either but yeah that's that's exactly what it is um now i th- i feel like tim would have loved to have hung on and stayed here because power five basketball is the pinnacle and until he did something major he wasn't going to get a better job but there was no better rebuilding job in the country than this one right here yeah i mean nebraska has the the money they've got the facilities they can get the talent it's just you need the head guy in charge to organize it and gives you the results that you need did you get a chance to see trey palmer at the combine i saw the numbers i didn't get to watch it your boys uh, your boys fast four three three is pretty impressive um number one wide receiver stopped. i believe yeah he ran the fastest time as a wide receiver yesterday yep i saw somebody Freeze frame the TV as he was crossing the 40 at a 4.31. Got to remember those times don't necessarily match up um, with with what's on the field. But, man. It, it does seem like it does day. for him, though, right? Yeah. And you know what the uh, the most impressive part of all of that for me is? Is that he... Um, he doesn't look that fast in my eyes. He kind he kind of glides. Like when I saw him on the football field this year, he didn't look like he was in top gear. He was just kind of always gliding and he was still going past people, but there's guys that look fast. I'm I don't know if he ran a faster time than Taylor Martinez, but a healthy Taylor Martinez always looked like he was running faster than what Trey Palmer does. Trey Palmer does not look to my eyes, like he's running a four three, he clearly does, but he just it looks easy for him. Yeah, it it was pretty effortless. I mean, I that's one of the top times at the combine, and for what he did, he I would have to say he probably bumped himself to a maybe late day, day two, which would be in the second round. But I mean, second third round, I think. But I mean, yeah. shit, his off season has been impressive. I mean. He, he, there's nothing else he could have done to get his stock any higher at this point. Set the no, season no. record at Nebraska and look at what you've done at the combine. And thus far, I mean, it's a damn good story. Yeah, he's. It's hard to believe that he didn't find playing time at LSU. I mean, I, I know that they had talented dudes all over the place. It just seemed like maybe it was, maybe just poor surroundings. I mean, I. I don't know. It, it's not like LSU's a bad football program. They've done pretty damn well. It just maybe yeah. it was just a surroundings mix-up, you know? Yeah, for for sure. Um, I mean, Jamar Chase wasn't there while he was there, was he? But or maybe for one year. But I think it was maybe one year. Shit, I can't remember. Maybe maybe Trey was a late bloomer and he didn't know how to run routes very well or crisp. Um, who knows? Who knows? I mean, LSU wide receiver rooms historically have been 
pretty tight um, with ta- filled with talent. I mean, you have Odell coming out of there. You have uh, Jarvis Landry coming out of there. So it's just it's just hard to believe that he didn't get as many reps. And then he came he- here and was the only guy, which I know that doesn't say a ton about the talent here, but to be the only guy and know that that's the only guy that you really have to cover on the field and still put up those numbers, that's special. Yeah, I mean, even even I mean that three hundred was an almost three hundred yards against Purdue. I think it was when he was just running by defensive backs on the field. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that that kind of speed doesn't grow on trees. I just I hope he can get to an offense where he can. Uh, I mean, I think he'd be an ideal slot receiver at the next level, just with his speed, not having to take on any physicality from an outside cornerback and press coverage. I think he he could put up some damn good numbers in the NFL. I'm excited to see where he gets drafted. I hope it's not to like the Chargers or anything like that, where his career would go to die because the Chargers suck. Sorry, <laughs> this went off a little tangent there. Um, <laughs> you know, he he could be really good in well, L.A. Now I was going to say San Diego. Um, he could be really good there because. You know, you have Keenan Keenan Allen still there, right? If Keenan yeah, Allen yeah, yeah. can stay healthy, um, Justin Herbert's a pretty good quarterback. He's got to end up somewhere with a good quarterback. Speaking of um, that, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I will. Uh, did you see the th- the throw from Stroud to Palmer? I think it was 60 yards in the air. I didn't. I Just did not see that. threw a straight rainbow up, and Palmer had to slow down a little bit, and that's 60 yards down the field. So without um, pads, he's damn fast. Yeah, so that brings up an interesting question. Does Chicago give up on Justin Fields and go after C.J. Stroud? Man, I don't think he can. I think I think uh, Fields is still the dude. It's you got to give him a little bit more help. Um, either at the I, number one at the offensive line, you, you got to get that fixed um, because if he can't stay healthy, you, you'll never see him develop. I personally thought that he was more physically talented than Trevor Lawrence coming out, and I thought he was going to be a better quarterback. Now, thus far, no, it's not true. But um, I, I love Fields coming out over over Lawrence personally. Lawrence has done what he's done at Jacksonville, though, in short turn with an actual head coach in Peterson as opposed to uh, old Goose Meyer. Um, <laughs> that, it makes a big difference. Yeah, I. If I'm Chicago, I think I'm going Stroud though. I, I think I'm trading Justin Fields. Really? I just don't know that Justin had at this point. I don't know that Justin has the arm talent, and that's not a knock on him. But in Chicago, you need some serious arm talent with the lack of talent around you, and Chicago has to know who Chicago is and what they're going to go out and do. And that's not get the best talent, but also more importantly, quarterback is a lot like hitting in baseball or, or being a pitcher in baseball or shooting in basketball. And it is confidence based. And I don't know that Justin has the confidence to make some of the throws he has to because of how bad it's been the last couple of years, along with the injuries. I just, I don't know that he's – I think he needs to go sit behind somebody for a little bit. I, I really do. 
So if you're the Bears, and let's say I think it's Indianapolis at number four, comes up with a trade package. I believe the last time someone traded into the top two, it took six picks, six or seven picks. If you're the Bears and someone offers you, we'll say two or three first, a couple seconds, and a late-round pick to move up to that spot, you bump down to number four, you're not going to take that? Or would you take it? I don't know. I'd have to review the rest of the roster and the salary cap issues right now. Um, it's also going to depend when those picks come, right? Are they this offseason? Are they for this draft? Or are they for the next three drafts? Like, for for the Bears, that has to matter. More than acquiring picks, when are those picks? Well, that's that's a big thing, obviously, because if you're giving the first away this year and you could bump back to four this year, plus pick up a couple firsts in the future and then a, maybe a second or third this year, I mean, I, I, I would – I didn't look into Indy's uh, draft picks or anything like that, but if you've got a team that's got multiple firsts this year as well, it, it's worth worth you know at least exploring the possibility. And I, I personally think almost every pick in the top five is up for sale. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I just don't think there's a standout think, prospect this year. I also think everybody in the top five is looking for something a little bit different. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, outside of, I'd say, Indy and um, Houston, same division, I, I feel like they're, they're looking at the same thing, which would be a quarterback, which to me says that you got Stroud and Young in the top four. But how do you feel about Levis? What are, you, what are your thoughts on Will Levis from uh, Penn State? Um. Well, now from Kentucky. Um, yep, thank you. Correction. I know people are high on him. I'm not. Have you seen the way he eats a banana? It's extremely uncomfortable. Eats no, the peel and, and everything. Yeah, it's disgusting. That's that's, uh, that's serial killer shit. So I'm out on him. Um, I I think there's some good quarterbacks in this draft, and I I think he might end up being a serviceable serviceable NFL quarterback. But I'm not taking him in the top ten personally. Really? Huh. He lost to Luke McCaffrey. I mean, I don't I he's got crazy arm talent without he lost to a he lost to a guy who lost the quarterback job at Rice. Hey, I'm not mortgaging my foot my my job on him. I I'm not taking him in the top ten. I'm not. Um would it be crazy and, to say I wouldn't take him in the first round? Yes, because somebody somebody inevitably will. Um, he's he's got some measurables and some eye tools that that compare him to Josh Allen, right? Um, right, wrong, or indifferent, they do. And I remember this conversation about Josh Allen and everybody was saying anybody who took him early was crazy because he's not that good. And, and you know what? He's turned into a pretty damn good NFL quarterback. That being not said, he hasn't, he hasn't done anything great. He hasn't, he hasn't got, got the big signature win or anything like that yet. So, you know, the jury's still out on him a little bit. Um, I don't think it's fa- like that model hasn't worked a whole lot in the NFL. 
that quarterback that you take a shot on, right? Um, Unless you've got a good system around them, yeah, it's it's it, but it's tough. I'm I mean, not, I'm not, and, and there's there's some new hotshot GM somewhere in this draft who's going to take the chance on him, and they're either going to look like a genius or a failure. But I think you can get him in the second round. I don't think you have to mortgage your franchise on him. I don't think you have to take him in the first ten when you can go get a key offensive lineman or somebody that can set your defense or, or something like that. I think, yes, quarterback is the most important position in the NFL, 100%. I don't think anybody will argue that. And I think left tackle, nine times out of ten, unless you're in Miami where it's the right tackle, the the left tackle is the second most important, protecting that, that quarterback blindside. But, you know, if New England would have, you know, drafted a quarterback in the first round of the year that they drafted Tom Brady and hadn't spent a few years building up around around on the defensive side of the ball and the offensive line and getting their system in place, it wouldn't have mattered. So what basically what I'm saying is somebody's gonna go take a shot on Will Levis, but they don't have a running back. They don't have two wide receivers to throw the ball to. They don't have a tight end. They they their offensive line is in shambles. I mean, that's what Chicago did with Justin Fields. And now, more so than ever, when you do take that risk on that quarterback, they have to play early. So look at Chicago. Justin Fields is getting murdered day every Sunday. He's getting hit 10, 15 times a game, sometimes 20 to 30. Um, because you don't have the pieces around them. But when you draft somebody that high, you have to play them now because of the way the game has changed. So I'm not drafting Will Levis until my team's ready for Will Levis. Yeah, it seems like the uh, patience meter on a lot of NFL coaches and GMs has shrank from, I mean, it used to be five years. You'd, you'd get a confidence in five years to, shit, you've seen guys gone in a year, which – is is kind of crazy. Hell, some guys like Hackett gone less than a year. So kind of kind of crazy there the way that the game has changed just with speeding the clock up on everything. But you're in it. Are you an MMA guy or no? Uh a little bit. I wish I would have got to see the fights last night. Who who I don't even know who won, oh. actually. Okay, so that's that was what I was gonna ask was a couple things. Number one, did you see heavyweight John Jones? Because that is a scary, scary individual. Uh I saw photos that what did he have to gain? Thirty five pounds to get up there? I think he ended up weighing in at two hundred forty eight and a half pounds and gone uh weighed in at two forty eight. So he weighed in a half pound heavier than him. And Jones used to fought. I used to fight at two hundred five. I think he walked around the cage at probably two twenty five ish, maybe two thirty. Yeah. Um, so he's been a big dude, but my God, I feel like he was pushing maybe two fifty five, two sixty last night. Just a big human being, like looked like an NFL player out there. All of his brothers, obviously NFL guys. Um, he looks. He looks like he was a. Uh, not sauced up, but god damn, he had grown ass man strength. Choked the choked him out in two minutes. Oh, those are always the worst when you buy them too. Like when they go, they go that quick. Yeah, it's the um, one I bought for the year. Great, thanks. At, at least McGregor and uh, Floyd went went the distance when we bought that boxing match. That's true. 
Uh, so they showed McGregor on the uh, broadcast as well. Uh, old boy is sauced up. I mean, whoa. oh, without a doubt. I mean, goddamn. Why he's not fighting anytime soon? Why wouldn't he be saucing up? I mean, he's got to. Yeah, he's got to recover from his injuries. I mean, yep. absolutely. All those guys do it. Anybody who says that they don't is full of shit. I don't give a fuck. I mean, yeah, you're you're 100 right there. It's it's kind of funny with the uh, different substances that are involved in different sports. I mean, like EPO and, and MMA and how it do you a tremendous benefit there as opposed to football where you've got, you know, a D bowl and a bunch of different things and baseball Winnie V. So it's just kind of funny to see the substances that are kind of floating around out there. And well, baseball used to use ketamine. Oh yeah. Or not ket- not, well, it, they might've used ketamine, but Ridlin Ridlin was a big one in baseball. Yeah, because I mean, you need to be zoned in on the ball. Yeah, I mean, and, and, they, they would they would test for Adderall, so people use Ridlin. Wasn't and isn't? I mean, that's pretty much speed, isn't it? I thought it was. I don't know. Well, I'm not a had, chemist. I mean, I'm not Walter White. Man, it'd be a lot cooler if it, you were. <laughs> be a billionaire at this point. Well, uh, fun fact for everybody out there: uh, when you sign when you sign on your mortgage, Zach, I'm, I know you, I know the person who handled your mortgage closing went over this. Uh, you cannot manufacture drugs in your home; it says so on your note and your deed of trust. I feel like that's just a suggestion at this point. <laughs> just because it's in a contract doesn't mean you have to follow it. Don't know if no, you know that's that exactly what a contract is. Oh, is it? Well, that's okay. Um, speaking of contracts, uh, let's 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 talk a little recruiting because interesting know, segue. Well, because you have to sign a contract uh, or an N- or NLI National Letter of Intent as a Husker or as a recruit. So, see, okay. connects perfectly. Did you okay. see the um, offensive lineman that was actually in town from? Where else? Texas. I did see that, and he had a blast on his visit, it sounds like. Uh, sounds like the visit couldn't go much better than it did. Uh, Gibson Pyle from Houston, Texas, he's got a shit ton of offers. I mean, he's got them from all yeah, over the place. Yeah, they generally do. I mean, you got like nine Division One schools in Texas, so there's nine right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going. He's got him from all over the country, from <laughs> Ole yeah. Miss to your boy uh, Dion up in Colorado, and then and then you had McMorris. You know, it's from, your uh, boy. Don't don't ever call him my boy again. That's your boy. No, it's that's your that's your boy Dion. My boy is uh, Lane down at, at Ole Miss. So uh, your boy uh, Dion up there, it, he's in competition with a lot of. Uh, Nebraska recruits, so that's going to be a fun rivalry to watch because I feel like it's almost going to turn to Colorado and Nebraska is almost like watching the recruiting battles between Nebraska and Minnesota, you know, just kind of pure pettiness, but for actually good recruits this time. Um, <laughs> you know, you had McMorris from Bellevue West in town, met with McGuire as well. It doesn't seem like that whole being – a young coach is, is mattering too much. I almost feel like it gives him a little bit of credence being able to relate to these guys a little bit better. Um, that's that's kind of my read into it is he's not as far removed as some of the older heads are, but 
he can also talk football. He knows what he's doing, which which is at the end of the day what a recruit wants. Yeah, you know what? Right, wrong, or indifferent, and I'm gonna push back on somebody who who uh, who came at me on Twitter about this. Like, I think the staff's social media presence is is playing a huge factor um, across the board. Like, they understand that the kids want to be seen there, and they the kids want to see them there. And I a few months ago said something about you know rules social media game is on point, and somebody said that's 100 percent the the communication staff yeah and i i didn't i didn't dignify that response with a response of my own but i'm going to do it here you mean to tell me that the social media team and the marketing team and all that is so worried about getting matt rule off to a good start that they took over his social media accounts like Ole Miss did for Hugh Freeze and got active for him on there, and they didn't do it for the golden boy Scott Frost, who we have gone out of our way to help succeed and wanted him to succeed more than any other coach in program history. Are you telling me that? Uh, I, think that I think that's what some people are telling you, yes. Um, I mean, they – the social media game is 100% genuine from these coaches. Um, our media team, it, it, sure, they're making the graphics and things for these guys to tweet out, sure. Media but when team Matt does Rule their just, job. It, when Matt Rule is just tweeting out emojis, that's Matt Rule, right? Like That's a dad that just found out how to use them. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's yeah. his communication method. He brought it up on Busting with the Boys. Yeah, Um I just I think it's funny that now people are 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 how do I want to say this? Why are we still defending the failures and then acting like Matt Rule is getting more from the athletic department in the social media and the marketing than than Scott Frost did before? I mean, we and within 12 minutes of him being of Scott Frost being hired, you could go online and buy a Frost Warning Nebraska t-shirt. Like Come on, this this is all genuine. Uh, we talked to Chris Brooks, Chris Brooks, a couple weeks out of St. Louis. He feels like the staff is genuine, and he has not felt that way about the program in quite a while. So, miss me with the Scott Frost is getting all the uh, all the extras. Well, yeah, it, it, like you said, that Frost is a one guy that nobody wanted to see fail, and he failed, and. I don't get how anyone can still make excuses for what happened. I mean, it just it, it just didn't work out, and it kind of is what it is. But it, it seemed like it was for a – maybe lack of effort isn't fair. But if this staff fails, it's not going to be for a lack of effort. And, I mean, you, you could see that with the recruiting relationships and different things like that that have been built up. It's nice seeing adults running the program again, which we've said numerous times. Your words, not mine. Yeah, no, it's definitely my words. Um, <laughs> and I and I, I only say that because I'm a 32 year old man child, so I won't <laughs> I won't come at anybody like that. Uh, well, I'm the same age as you, but I I will uh, occasionally shoot some shots. <sighs> I I'm gonna be really uh, interested to see what comes out of these practices this year in 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 spring. Not that we're going to see a ton, but just kind of the growth from week one 
to the last practice or, you know, practice one to the last practice spring, and then just kind of the development of the bodies over the off season. Um, I, I think that's going to yeah. be the thing that I'm going to be most interested with going forward. Just, just to see what the hell is going on, because I'd love to see if we could get a little bit more uh, breakdown, like into the colors, uh, the jerseys that they wear. Cause I think there's four different colors that they wear. Seems like the black ones are maybe even starters, but it's it's hard, it's hard to tell from the videos at this point. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's too early to tell. Um, I think some of that was, um, you know, I think they were broken up into teams during offseason workouts. Yeah, and, and social media, they're uh, they're doing something big with social media right now with the different teams that were released. I had a couple people reach out to me at yeah, that. I don't uh, know what Tom- it is, but something. Fedoni was the captain of of the most point getting team in the off season workouts. So uh, he I, is it this week or next week that he gets to talk to open up and talk to the media. Um, I forget Thanks how that this week. I, I forgot how that announcement came out, but yeah, Thomas Fedoni was the captain of one of those teams, which is great to see that he was not only awarded captain but he led he led that team to to get the most points. Obviously, we don't know how that point system works, but. Um, it's good. It's good to hear good news coming out, um, in, in the, in the winter conditioning period for, for Thomas Fedoni. Yeah. He, he blew, blew up. I mean, he's a big dude now. I think he's 255, 260 or something like that. It was the number that I seen floating around about him. But you remember in the off season when all the, uh, stuff vanished from his, his Twitter and all that, it's, it's kind of nice to see a dude who was so heavily invested in the previous staff, pretty much doing the same thing with the new staff, you know, just kind of proving that maybe this is the right staff to get this team over the hump mentally. Because physically Mm -hmm. they've been fine. It's just there's some tweaks you got to make, but just it seems like mentally that's been the problem with the program. I think I've said that many times. Yeah, no, I think mental – there's a mental block in this program and it's only gotten worse over the last 20 years. Um, I think this staff's approach is going to help guys get through that. I think it's going to help the program get through it. These guys, it's, it, I don't want to say they're doing things better or worse than other staffs. It's just different and it's refreshing. Could you say, and, and not to shit on any other staff or anything like that. And I, and I but you're guess- going to, but I'm going to, yes. Um, I guess I'm not. No, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Out of all the pipelines that this staff could have built up, obviously you could go to, we'll say California, you could go to Texas, you can go Georgia, you can go Florida. Do you feel like Texas, and I can't remember if we've talked about this yet, but do you feel like Texas is the most important pipeline that this staff needed to get set up to be successful in the long term? No, I, I think it's the most important for the short term. What do you, if you had to say long term, who would you throw? Who would, what state would you put long term? Or um, area, I guess. It, I mean, it, yeah, it's a region. I, I think we got to get into this Rust Belt region that Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State have a stranglehold on. Um, and, and the reason for that is there's, there's certain types of players that you got to get at these programs to be competitive in, in this environment, right? Um, it's more it's more you you can align it better in basketball like 
there's a different style in the Big Ten played anywhere else, and you have to compete against those guys, so you have to recruit those same guys. Um, I think you have to get a lot of talent from where these guys have a stranglehold to soften them up a little bit. Now, if you can go get better players out of a different area, great. I think Texas, you know, getting that foundation in Texas is going to elevate us faster so then we can start to pull from these guys for fertile recruiting grounds. But I think and and now, you know, we have to get out into California because we're we're recruiting against UCLA and USC now. So we have to, you know, part of recruiting and Chris Brooks, you know, said it like Part of the reason he ended up at Nebraska and was one of the first offers was they didn't want him at Missouri, right? So part of recruiting is getting guys to not go to another program, even if they're not going to necessarily fit on your roster. Like, you don't want them to hurt you from somewhere else. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that I I never really thought about with the recruiting cycle is not so much how can you help my team, but, hey, how can you also not hurt my team? And that's something I really – didn't think about for the longest time, but it, it does make sense is if you can keep them out of their hands and great. If I gave you now, I don't, I don't think we're going to go into Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, um, New Jersey and recruit kids simply so they don't hurt us. I, I don't feel like this is how that staff is going to operate. They're, they're being very calculated in who they recruit and everybody that they recruit. They, they want to help us not to not hurt us. Um, I think that's a grimy aspect in, co- in college recruiting um, and, you know, places that do it all the time are the, the, the programs that win Georgia and Alabama do it. They don't want that guy to end up at, at Alabama to hurt me at Georgia. Like that's part of the game, but I think this staff, and I, I, it's, I'm not saying Kirby smart does it intentionally. He really doesn't want that guy to end up at Alabama, but he hopes he can help him at Georgia. I think that's how this staff does it. I don't think it's ever going to be, I don't want you at Alabama because you're going to, you have a chance to hurt us there. I don't want you to add Alabama because I think you can hurt us, but I also think you can help us here is how Kirby approaches it. I think Saban approaches it relatively the same way, but you have heard stories of guys being promised a scholarship after, after a gray shirt. And then, you know, for whatever reason, the way the roster shakes out that that scholarship doesn't exist anymore. Well, yeah. And, and scholarships are only as good as the environment that you're in at that moment. You get, you know, coaching changes, anything like that. Nothing's guaranteed, uh, and and you've seen it with a lot of guys. I don't want to say getting washed out of the program, but you you've seen your attrition this off season thus far, and you're going to see a lot more when spring shakes out. But you're going to see it all over the country. That's that's the beauty of the portal, which I think that opens up here in the next month or so as well um, after spring kicks off. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a, a roller coaster ride that's going to keep on going, but. I don't think I got anything else. I think we uh, chat about everything I had tonight. Drake, you got anything, my man? No, I'm good, brother. Awesome. Well, let's put a cap on this bitch. Uh, Drake, thanks for joining me tonight, my man. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Have a good night, everyone. Go be great. Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go Big Red. A Heard at Sports Network production.